So a while ago, we've been addressing this the past couple of days. The guys who are in the group from out of state, sorry, this is not going to be a really exciting video for you. If you'd like to watch it, just hear my voice and you think I'm interesting. That's a different story. But uh, in June, there was a class given at the Bergen County Police Academy by two APs from the Bergen County Prosecutor's Office. Now, I'm sure, they're very nice people. Uh, during that class, a lot of guys reached out to me that had been to my training and said, hey, they're telling us that we need to apply for a search warrant with a canine indication. Uh, and I said, well, that's not true. Can we see if we can address that with them? One guy addressed it to them after class was over. Um, they, The one AP later emailed this lieutenant from another agency and said, hey, we were wrong. And I kind of didn't want to poke and prod at the whole thing. I don't want to create waves with anybody. But now, after seeing this Mawa thing the other day, and now guys writing in to me and say, I keep talking about messages I got from guys like, hey, my sergeant, my lieutenant, my captain was at that class. And now they're making us get search warrants for motor vehicle stops when we have a canine indication. So now is the time I just had to step forward and make the phone calls. We reached out to a lot of people and we finally honed it down to the people that taught that class. I spoke with her. She was very, very nice to speak with. I'm not saying a bad thing about her. There was a miscommunication. Um, and this is verbatim. I, I was going to record the call, but I didn't want to sound like a, I don't want to be a jerk about it. Uh, I explained to her who I am, what I do, what we're trying to clarify here, what's happening. I explained to her the Mawa case, which she was unaware of, and why they got a search warrant for motor vehicle on a on a cold stop. And now they don't know who the girl is and the guy fled, whatever the, whatever the, the details are regarding that case. And uh, we had a little bit of a discussion. And she's like, yeah, if you get a canine indication, you don't need a search warrant on a car. I'm like, okay. In your class, a lot of people, in the upwards from what I understand of 100 people, were told opposite. Now, the worst thing is, is that they're all supervisors. So can you do me a favor? Can you send out some kind of, do you have an email list? Can, and I said, she goes, well, maybe there's a miscommunication. I said, okay. She goes, well, we did discuss Peña Flores. I go, but why are you discussing it in a 20, that class was, that case was 2015. This case law class that you put on was 2016 in June, a year and a half later. Um, so, you know what? And she's like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, I, so yeah, you don't like just, so I'm like, look, I, I appreciate your time. You were really nice. It's just that we have a lot of screwed up people out there who don't understand. They, they heard you say one thing and they're hearing me say another. And then we just got to fall back on case law. So I asked her about any kind of prosecutor's office's memorandum from the Bird County prosecutor's office that says that guys have to apply for a search warrant when they have a canine indication on a car that is unforeseeable and spontaneous. And she said, no, they can search the car like as if you had a warrant. Um, and she's kind of apologized. Said, like, I'm sorry we were unclear on that. I thought we covered it in class. Um, she's supposed to send something out. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. Unfortunately, I'm one dude with 5,000 people in a group. So I'm hoping you take this and start spreading the word that, hey, anybody who went to this class really should be should know that there was a mistake made in that. When you have a motor vehicle stop and it's unforeseen and spontaneous and it's cold and a canine indication occurs, establishing probable cause. There's five cases that I referred to in my Facebook feed that support that she agreed with. And I can't imagine how anybody could disagree with it. That established probable cause to search the entire car. Bumper to bumper. Guys, I, I can't be more clear about this. I'm going to read William Witt to you right now. I'm not going to read to you all the case law stuff. I'm going to read William Witt to you. 
Now, there's some things I want you to pay attention to. I pulled out. If you don't, if you can't remember this, you don't want to watch the video again. Google State v. William Witt, 2015, New Jersey, and read the case. Read it three, four, five times if you don't understand it and try to get it. But let me tell you how I've broken it down for my classroom. I'm going to read it to you right verbatim how I would read it in class. State versus William Witt, 2015. The exigent circumstances standard set forth in Pena Flores is unsound in principle and unworkable in practice. Citing Article 1, Paragraph 7 of the Jersey State Constitution, the court returns to the standard articulated in State versus Alston for warrantless searches of automobiles based on probable cause. The federal standard, the only thing they're giving us is the unforeseen and spontaneous. That's the caveat. The automobile exception authorizes the warrantless search of an automobile only when the police have probable cause to believe that the vehicle contains contraband or evidence of an offense and the circumstances giving rise to the probable cause are unforeseeable and spontaneous. That's so it's seemingly consistent with the federal standard. Okay. Significantly, we also made clear in Alston Super that merely because the particular occupants of the vehicle may have been removed from the car, arrested, or otherwise restricted in their freedom of movement, police were not required to secure a warrant. So if you have somebody who has a warrant for their arrest, and then the car still smells like weed or you, you saw a cap of a needle or and they don't have an explanation for it because they're not a diabetic or you saw a bullet on the ground or whatever it may be that's inherently illegal uh, and established probable cause. Just because they're cuffed, removed from the scene or removed from that from the car, they don't have the right to refuse. You're getting confused with a consent search. Okay, You're getting confused. You have probable cause. You can search the car. The guy doesn't have to tell you when you can stop. He doesn't have to be watching you cuffed backseat of the car. Search it where you got, unless you want consent, because you don't think you have more. You can search the whole thing. You want to go into the trunk. You need to get consent. Uh, you know, we have, and we've talked about that before. I'm not going into that again. All right. Um, lastly, relying on chambers. And when they say chambers, they're, they're quoting cases in the consent decree from the New Jersey Supreme Court justices of where they come up with their reasoning and what they're adopting into our case law. Lastly, relying on chambers, we emphasize that. When there's probable cause to conduct an immediate search of the scene of the stop, the police are not required to delay the search by seizing and impounding the vehicle pending a review of the probable cause determination by a magistrate. You don't have to impound cars and get search warrants. Stop. Just stop doing it. I don't want to hear your opinion about why it's better to do it that way. You want to do it? You can. But I'm surprised judges aren't even saying Pena Flores, uh, Helder, just so you know, Pena Flores does not still apply. I know he's writing, Helder wrote in, can you discuss how Pena Flores still applies? It does not. It is dissolved. It is stricken from the record. It's like it never existed. Doesn't apply anymore. Zero application in today's modern society of police work. Pena Flores is gone. It's gone from the record. We do not, don't even look at it. Don't read it. The other one as well. Uh, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Gone. Nothing in that applies anymore. That's over. Over. That was determining exigent circumstances in motor vehicles. Now the car is inherently exigent. You don't need to create exigency. You can search the car because it's movable property, okay? Or it's a movable motor vehicle. Back to State versus William Witt. We also part from the federal jurisprudence that allows a police officer to conduct a warrantless search at headquarters merely because he could have done so on the side of the road. You can't tow cars back and search them. You got to search them on the side of the road. If you tow cars back and then you think you missed something, you got to go for a search warrant at that point. Whatever inherent exigency justifies a warrantless search of the scene under the automobile exception certainly cannot justify the failure to secure a warrant after towing and impounding the car at headquarters when it's practical to do so. Warrantless searches, therefore, should not be based on fake exigencies. Therefore, Article 1, Paragraph 7 of the New Jersey Constitution, we limit the automobile exception to on-scene warrantless searches. 
Okay? This is right out of State versus William Witt. For the reasons expressed, the exigent circumstances test in Cook and Pena Flores no longer applies. We return to the standard set forth in Alston 1981, Google State v. Alston 1981, for warrantless search of automobiles based on probable cause. The automobile itself provides exigency, satisfying the prong, the two-prong necessity of a warrantless search. All you need is probable cause. Okay? And then you can see Steve versus Hammer 2001. I'm just going to go through my notes. Steve versus Hammer 2001, justifying a police officer's decision to search a vehicle with probable cause and not to seek a search warrant on side of the road. Now, also, I, th- I don't know if I passed on it. I can't remember where I have it in my PowerPoint. It doesn't matter if it's parked or moving. It doesn't matter. If you walk up on a car and it's parked and you have probable cause to search that car or you believe that's engaged criminal activity, you will... You will, you, you're allowed to start just, just like if you pulled it over on the side of the road. It doesn't matter if it's parked or moving. Cars, it has to have the exigency or the ability to move. That's all, that's all the requirement is. Um, let's not get confused with Dunbar this summer. Okay. But Dunbar was good for us, but we're talking about the same point where you have reasonable suspicion. You're going to build reasonable suspicion to call for a dog. You still have to do that in New Jersey. You would have, in order to call for a dog, you need to build RAS. If a canine officer happens to pull up on your scene and you're writing your tickets and they walk the dog around the car, the dog indicates without you prompting him or, or calling him over, you're okay. Um, that's what Dunbar, I think it was Dunbar. Somebody just wrote in Dunbar. That's, that's the case. Is that South Jersey, like Spring Lake Heights or something, something like that. Guys, please, enough with this debate. Just read the friggin' case law. Why do you still have opinions about it? If you have a directive from your department or a directive from your prosecutor's office that says, in writing, we want you to no longer search cars without a search warrant. Different. Different. You must listen to your supervisors if they don't know what the fuck they're talking about, which we know a lot of them don't. A lot of them do. A lot of good ones out there, but a lot of them don't. You must listen to them. I can't tell you not to listen to them. Maybe you want to educate them. And lastly... Some good news, even better than the news we talked about today. Brody's digs came in today. Watch this. Whoa. Street cop training on the sleeve. Look at that. Let's see if we stand up and show you these things. Try to shake it out a little bit. Let's see. All right. Some dope-ass T-shirts. Guys, we're going to be selling these because they were... So just so you know, with these T-shirts, um, do we have really nice ones made? I spent a little more money because we didn't want the junk where you wash it three times and now everything's fading on it. This will last the test of time. We spent more money on it. We got better quality material. We have better printing stuff. So when these, when we do decide to sell them, uh, yes, sorry, Dean, I know, ouch. But when, when we decide, we're going to set these up in the next couple of days to be sold online. We have about 75 of them to sell. Once we get through those, we'll order more. We have a few different colors. We'll show you all the varieties we have. The challenge coins are coming in. So it'll be all that cool stuff. We'll have a lot of guys. guys we'll have them bring this stuff to our classes. We'll be selling it at our classes as well. If you guys want to pick up a T-shirt, we're not making an arm and leg on you. We just want to have give you guys good quality stuff to wear. Uh, it's a really nice. This is a Gilgen uh, Dry Blend 50-50. Beautiful shirt. Beautiful. It's not like Donald Trump. But, uh, whew, man, good. Let's move on. Tell people. Let's move on from this. Let's do something else. I'll see you guys later.